Section 11 of Starved Rock, a Historical Sketch by Eaton G. Osman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Veronica Jenkins. Section 11 The Historians and the Novelist. The Historians. As year by year his tapestry unrolled, what varied wealth its growing length displayed, what long procession flamed in cloth of gold, what stately forms the flowing robes arrayed. He told the red man's story, far and wide, he searched the unwritten records of his race. Oliver Wendell Holmes Francis Parkman Dr. Francis Parkman, born in Boston September 16, 1823, came of an ancestry distinguished for scholarly attainment and achievement and so early was his own taste and aptitude for literature disclosed that in 1840, at the age of 17, he was meditating on a history of the French and Indian Wars, or, to be more specific, the history of France and England in North America. This project took definite shape, and from boyhood to the end of the work of a lifetime was pursued with exceptional consistency and inspiring steadfastness of aim and endeavor, it was practically fifty years from the time he began his life's work to the day he completed it, by an interesting coincidence naming his last volume Fifty Years of Conflict. The Oregon Trail, which was a prelude to his great undertaking, was the result of a summer journey undertaken by himself and his cousin, Quincy A. Shaw, in 1846, across the continent into the Black Hills. As Dr. Parkman's nearest friend, Rev. Julius H. Ward, has said, this volume shows how he became acquainted with the kind of life which, in writing of the early settlement of North America, he was called upon to describe. It laid the foundation of the attractive interest and the feeling of reality which are everywhere imparted to his narrative. Mr. Parkman entered into his undertaking with such ardor and enthusiasm that, before he was aware of it, he had overtaxed his strength and had prepared the way for permanent physical infirmity, not that of eyesight, except to a limited extent, but a tendency to congestion of the brain, which all his life withdrew him from the field of active duty and constantly interfered with his work as a scholar, now reaching him in disability of this organ, and now in the infirmity of that, and constantly limiting him in his hours of work and compelling him to go at a snail's pace when he felt as if the only satisfaction to his spirit would have been to march forward like a colonel at the head of his regiment. His physical infirmities were a tremendous drawback in his life work, but his spirit was so resolute, and he lived so much above his limitations of body, that nothing interfered with his great object, and he lived to complete his work and bring the history down to the year 1760, when the English completed their conquest of New France, and to see the plan which he laid out while a college student developed and treated in every respect as exhaustively as the materials will permit. The Oregon Trail is an incomparable picture of the life that once existed on the great plains of the far west, which has now disappeared forever. It was dictated to his traveling companion, and all his life thereafter he was dependent on the pens of his friends or of paid amanuenses not only for the performance of the labor of writing his words at his dictation, but for the collection and collating of materials under his direction. 
Five times he went to Europe, taking with him trained assistants to aid him in procuring the necessary data for his histories. Tens of thousands of maps and folio copies of documents were made in the museums and private archives of France and England. With infinite patience and labor all of these were examined, in order that the histories might cover every important detail of their time with absolute accuracy. In 1850 he married Catherine Bigelow, and for a brief space, less than eight years, found in her companionship sweet solace for an illness which to a lesser man would have been a veritable death in life. Yet these were the happiest years of his life. In 1851 the Conspiracy of Pontiac appeared, the first of that notable series of historical narratives entitled France and England in America, though chronologically it is the last. Not again until 1858, after the death of his wife, did Dr. Parkman find physical strength to resume his life's work. In the meantime, as a diversion, he essayed the role of a novelist, Vassal Morton being his third book, it was a succès d'estime, but the man who could make history more fascinating than romance saw that it was a waste of time and talents to make novels less agreeable than history, and he never repeated the experiment. In spite of the fact that for some years he could do absolutely nothing, that for many more he could work but five minutes a day, and that he never was able to work above ten hours or to compose above five hundred words a day, his purpose never faltered but the successive volumes came slowly the pioneers of france in the new world eighteen sixty five the jesuits in north america eighteen sixty seven la salle and the discovery of the great west eighteen sixty nine the old regime in canada eighteen seventy four count frontenac and new france eighteen seventy seven montcalm and wolfe eighteen eighty four and a half century of conflict eighteen ninety two with which last the author laid down his pen, dying November 8, 1893. A life task fulfilled, fulfilled with the happiness of complete recognition of his significance and uniqueness, and with the world's acknowledgment that never need the work be repeated. The twelve volumes which constitute the history as it now stands, as Dr. Ward remarks, constitute a work which has a permanent value. It is a thorough examination of all the facts, and an impartial treatment of them. This has been conceded by Catholic and Protestant students. It is as free from excess in one direction as in the other. Mr. Parkman is able to sympathize with both parties in the contention for the mastery of North America, and usually allows the facts to speak for themselves, and lead us to their obvious conclusion. It is these qualities of thoroughness and impartiality which give his work authority, and the charming style in which it is written ensures a permanent popularity his publishers little brown and company boston have recently issued a new edition of his works with his latest revisions including the oregon trail characteristically illustrated by frederick remington the edition is superior in workmanship convenient in size and moderate in price john gilmary shea lld Though thy worldly task hast done, home art gone, and ta'en thy wages. Anonymous. After Parkman, no one man perhaps has done more to recover the history of the early French in the Mississippi Valley than Dr. Shea. 
deeply religious by nature and early training and after his graduation from columbia college of which his father was a professor for six years a novice of the society of jesus he became as a catholic much interested in the early history of catholicism on this continent and was especially moved as must be every imaginative mind by the heroism of the men who first carried the cross to the indians of the st lawrence and great lakes valleys compelled by precarious health to abandon the university he resumed the practice of law interrupted by his connection with the jesuits but his historical studies one may imagine consumed much of the time other lawyers would have given to their briefs his preliminary literary work was in the form of contribution to catholic periodicals which quickly brought him to the attention of the literary world especially of historical students of this country and europe at the age of twenty six eighteen fifty he published his history of the discovery and exploration of the mississippi river a work whose apparent great research in the buried archives of canadian governmental and sacerdotal records and whose accuracy and uniqueness at once placed him in the rank of the first-rate historians of his country it was the first work to give dignity and form to an important part of our western annals it has been honored and approved by frequent reference by dr parkman an equally and perhaps in some respects even more important service was the editing and publishing by him of twenty-six volumes of the missionaries relations official reports all of which were outside and in addition to those published by the canadian government covering the early french exploration in the great west and invaluable as a mine for original research his history of the catholic missions among the indian tribes of the united states is also a monument to his learning industry and piety both of these works are deeply interesting to the student of to-day he was an indefatigable worker and a list of his books and contributions to periodicals and historical society records would fill a goodly page his last and perhaps greatest work was a history of the catholic church in the united states which he finished on his deathbed as to his work in general dr richard h clark in the catholic family annal truly says his position in the special department of catholica americana was unequalled and unique his advent in our midst at a time when our catholic historical records and materials were wasting was providential for he was foremost in teaching us their value and in making a noble and able use of them he was by prestige in his day the historian of the american catholic church and it may be added he was also a man in whom the christian virtues which adorned his private life were covered by a veil of modesty and humility he was born in new york july twenty second eighteen twenty four and died at elizabeth new jersey february twenty second eighteen ninety two mrs mary h catherwood give two barrows trays and pans grace and glimmer of romance emerson the novelist mrs mary hartwell catherward a resident of hoopston illinois in the romance of dollard the story of tanti etc has in romance done for the period of french dominion in north america what parkman has done for it in history recreated the period for the instruction and amusement of present generations and if parkman has given to history the charm of romance mrs catherward has no less served history by reproducing in romance 
the charm of local color in the realistic pictures of the life of the canadian and illinois people of those faraway days without which history itself is incomplete and unsatisfactory the reader of this sketch is the more interested in the story of tonti since the characters of the tale are the heroes of starved rock while the rock itself is the scene of not the least absorbing events of the story the story of tonti is the story of a friend the most faithful of servants tonti was also the most steadfast of friends that rarest of human blessings which at best comes to a few men only and to each but once parkman has borne testimony to the disinterested fidelity of tonti but it remained for mrs catherwood in the story of tonti to recreate the living man and present him to us crowned with the praises of historians priests tradition savages and his own deeds the story opens with the beaver fair at montreal sixteen seventy eight la salle and tonti had just arrived from france to explore the west the picture of the savage gathering assembled for trade and a powwow with frontenac the governor is very realistic the thread of enmity against la salle that appears in the conversation of the traders and merchants is a hint of his ultimate failure and discloses also the reasons for it in book two the scene is la salle's lake ontario fort fort frontenac and the theme is la salle's earlier disappointments and the adverse influences operating against him on the st lawrence in book three the scene is at starved rock during that distressing period when la salle was in france for the last time was murdered in texas and when his brother and jotel saved from the fate of la salle enjoying tonti's hospitality hid from him the news of the death of his master and friend la salle the story is faithful to the thread of la salle's career and so is full of heroism and suffering deception and treachery envy hatred and malice and all uncharitableness relieved however by the loving faithfulness of barb la salle's niece and tonti his friend nearly all the celebrated names in northwestern discovery in the seventeenth century are met in the course of the story which completes with its color the picture the drawing of which was the work of Parkman, the historian. End of section 11. Recorded by Veronica Jenkins in Ottawa, Illinois.